You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome in to a Thursday edition of Crunch Time right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. We're broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company specializing in multifamily construction. And also here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. LSU Baseball hosted Lamar last night in a midweek contest. Christian Little dominated a Tommy White home run. And next thing you know, it was a 9-2 victory for Jay Johnson and company. We'll recap that game. Cajuns. Best McNeese this time in Lafayette. They split the season series with a 5-3 to win last night. We'll recap that game as well, as well as softball winning 6-2 to over McNeese. And a whole lot more. We will also talk some PGA Tour as the Players' Championship started today. We'll preview LSU versus Vanderbilt because, believe it or not, Matt McMahon and company are still alive. So we will recap that and... A whole lot more. We'll bring in my producer now and our co-host, Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Thursday, sir. How are you? Uh, What's up, Matt? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Uh, That is peachy. Absolutely peachy. As opposed to... Chef's kiss, if you will. Mango-y? Tangerine-y was more where I was going, but, you know. Orangey, banana-y. Right. Apple-y. So... LSU men's basketball. Still alive. Staying alive. Do do it. Do it real quick. Come on. No. (laughs) No. There you go. There you go. KJ Williams, I mean, again, really just doing what he does. 18 points, 5 of 14 shooting. He was a perfect 8 of 8 from the free throw line. Trey Hannibal came in and... It's kind of been the Trey Hannibal that I was wondering where the hell it went with his double-double, as well as Sean Phillips getting a double-double. Trey Hannibal had 14 points, 11 rebounds, and Sean Phillips had a 13-10 and game with two blocks on the night. But that's kind of the, the Trey Hannibal that I've wondered where he went because you opened SEC play and Trey Hannibal looked like the guy. It looked like it was going to be KJ Williams and Trey Hannibal, the two guys, the two key players that came with Matt McMahon from Murray State, were going to lead this football team. I mean, this basketball team. And then Trey Hannibal just kind of fell back and really didn't produce at the rate that he had been. So it's good to see that he is back in the fold in the 72-67 to win last night uh, that saw LSU have as a lead as big as, I want to say at one point, they led by 17 in this game. Their largest lead was 12. Uh, they So they had, I mean, double-digit lead. And you had it 
closed down to five by the end of the game. You only shot 36% from the field, 20% from downtown, but yet you still found a way to get it done. Only turning the ball over five times probably helped you a little bit. Oh, yeah, those five turnovers, those were essential because I was looking at it. I'm like, they're not shooting very well. No. I'm like, they're neck and neck on the rebounds. The assists aren't crazy. Blocks or steals aren't insane. But I was like, the turnovers, oh, yeah, LSU's barely turned it over, which is was ultimately the key of the game. Now, the three-point shooting definitely was not good, especially from everybody except Adam Miller, who didn't shoot a lot last night, but he was very selective with the shots. And he was able to knock him down. He went three out of four from behind the arc. So what? Obviously, you know the three point shooting has been a big story mm-hmm. for LSU because there's times where it's great, and then there's like six straight games where their three point game is just non existent. Last night, Adam Miller did have a good night because um, because usually it's Adam Miller that really struggles from the three-point line, and KJ's usually able to make two, Correct. maybe three threes. But no, he went 0 for 4. Hayes went 0 for 3. Hannibal went 0 for 2 himself. And same thing with Reed. He went 0 for 3. So I'm like, somebody's got to be making these. And Adam Miller was really the only one that was able to make it successfully and consistently. So looking ahead to tonight, they're going to play Vanderbilt, a team that they've beaten already in the regular season. But, James, this is what's going to be intriguing because if you look at that last matchup, it was an 84-77 to win for the Tigers. Liam Robbins had 23 points and 11 rebounds in that contest. He had a double-double in Baton Rouge. Liam Robbins is out for the rest of the season with a leg injury. So if you take away that 23 points, and obviously this isn't a perfect you know, one-to-one type deal, but if you take those 23 points off of that final score, LSU wins that game by 30. So would it, would it be safe to assume that LSU's the favorite tonight with the Liam Robin injury? I have to feel like that that is a safe thing to assume because, again, unless LSU just absolutely stinks up the joint, which you've seen happen before this year. I feel like LSU wins this game. I know I know Vanderbilt's listed as a four and a half point favorite in this game, but and earlier in the day they were only four. I, I would love to, I would love to know the the story behind that, other than the fact that Vandy is eighteen and thirteen. I mean Liam Robbins is their leading point scorer and leading rebounder, and now he's not there. So. I'm wondering what this matchup is going to look like tonight. Who's going to guard KJ Williams and who's going to slow him down? Because he had a monster night against Vandy when they played in Baton Rouge. So that that's going to be intriguing to see for sure. Uh, Vandy's a four and a half point favorite and an over under of 141. But James, last week when LSU's season was winding down, what if I would have told you that there was an outside possibility that they make it to the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament? You'd have laughed at me. I'd probably say that might be a little bit of a stretch. You'd have laughed at me. You would have thought that was crazy. But here we are on March 9th, 
LSU is playing a team that they've already beaten this year that is now going to be without their best player. Things could get very interesting in Nashville tonight. One thing that will benefit Vanderbilt, though, this is going to be a de facto home game for them. They're playing less than 30 minutes away from their home arena. So their fans are going to be there. They're going to show up. So that's going to create a little bit of an advantage for Vanderbilt. But again, on the court, if you don't have Liam Robbins, I think LSU has the upper hand in this. Even though you don't have Roberts, you still have to look at Tyron Lawrence and Jordan Wright, who's been pretty respectable as well. Jordan Wright's had a good year. Jordan Wright really has had a good year. And though, even though Ezra, he's leading the team in assists and steals, I mean, he's one of the smaller guards. So are you, that's three guards right there. And are you going to run more of a small ball lineup and have maybe I, Tyron I you, and have Tyron maybe play the three? I think you have to. I, I think that would. Or be, I'm, I'm sorry, Jordan play the three. I think that would be Vanderbilt's best bet. Um, because I mean, those are. Ezra Manjian, Jordan Wright, and Tyron Lawrence are, are the three guys now that you're really going to need to step up for you um, in, in this game. And you're going to need them to play big minutes because, I mean, it's kind of and then win, looking, win and move on at, at this point. Looking, so, at, looking at your two forwards, it's probably going to be Miles Stute and Colin Smith mm-hmm. would probably be my guess. Um, and I just think K.J. Williams has the advantage there. because he Because to me... You don't necessarily have to worry about your defense as much because LSU's offense, they've struggled a whole bunch. Sometimes they look relatively hot, but then there are nights where they're really, really cold and score 17 points and a half. Correct. So to me, this is the type of game where you should just worry about just score more points. I'd put in more of the guards. I'd go with more of the small small ball lineup because even at times, I mean, even if you don't, I feel like you could – whether or not you're gonna have you're gonna go three forwards or three guards, it's still gonna be relatively close either way in the rebound category. That game tips off at eight o'clock pregame, seven thirty right here on the game. We're, we're we're hoping that that's going to be the start time, uh, considering that it's the last game of the night. You just never know. Yeah, unexpected delay again. Yeah, you you just never know. Um, the game before them could go into four overtimes and they don't play till 10 o'clock. It, it's a possibility. Um, so tentatively scheduled for 8 o'clock as of now. Pre-game again set for 7.30. Score updates from college basketball. Kansas leads West Virginia 78-61. to That game just went final. And then with 8.25 left in the second half, Tennessee leads Ole Miss 60-50. to in those games your poll question of the day is up on facebook and twitter now that john aiken has been fired as the head coach of mcneese basketball should the cowboys go get well wait yes no maybe so far 64 percent of you say yes 30% 30% say no, 6% say maybe. Looking at a couple of the comments, John Paul says that would just be stinky. If they did it, would need to be with the understanding that it would most likely be short-term for him in order to rebuild his reputation. JK says, for me, that's a hard no, but I'm sure they will make him a, quote, strong-ass offer. There it is. 
I, I knew somebody was going to make a Javante Smart reference. I knew it was going to happen. That's well, well, well done, JK. Well done. Uh, Dougie Fresh says, why not? The man has never been charged with anything. Steve Flint, Salty Steve says, I think LSU should hire him back. He was just one year ahead of the play-for-pay NIL deals. The NCAA is ridiculous. They catch who, you, who they want and look the other way when necessary. And Tan says, if they want violations, I mean, I guess. It's going to be interesting because you saw last night that Ole Miss has pretty much got a deal done with Chris Beard. So Chris Beard's going to go to Oxford and make things interesting in the SEC West. Texas Tech has now fired their head coach. So that's really the one domino here for for McNeese. That's the one program that's going to stand in their way. Will Texas Tech hire Will Wade? Because if not... I think Will Wade's going to be the head coach of McNeese. And love him or hate him, he's a great basketball coach. And he's going to do a lot of good things in Lake Charles. Sure, it'll be short term. It'll be two, maybe three years. He'll turn the program back around and he'll go get a Power 5 job, just like Rick Pitino did after all the allegations that he had at, at Louisville. But what that's going to do is that's going to open the door for McNeese to get even more high-profile candidates after Will Wade turns that program around. So it's a win-win. So, if McNeese can pull it off, absolutely, you hire Will Wade. Absolutely. Great show today. Aria Gerson from the Tennessee, and she'll join us at 4.30, preview LSU versus Vanderbilt. We'll also talk some Vanderbilt baseball after they played 17 innings last night. And Preston Guy will join us at 5.30. Brian Kelly met with the media today to open up spring football. We'll get his thoughts on the spring season and much more right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com and you could score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers, chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we'll even be throwing in a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now in the Game Rewards Club for the Ultimate Crawfish Boil giveaway, cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 420 on your Thursday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The Game Hotline is 337-706-0111. That's 706-0111. McNeese and Louisiana played each other last night at Russo Park. 5-3 win for the Cajuns. And it started off, James, 
very similar to the game in Lake Charles. Let me tell you how McNeese's top of the first went. Get a foul out, get a fly out to center field. So a quick out for the Cajuns. Peyton Harden gets walked. He stole second. Then Josh Leslie hits a double to left field to score Harden. And then Brad Burkle comes up, grounds out to second base. Leslie advances over to third. Get a walk, a hit by pitch. So that loads the bases. Leslie scores on a wild pitch. Runner steals second, batter strikes out. So on one base hit, McNeese scored two runs. You, you like that, right? Cajuns didn't stay down for, for very long, though, because you you came right back in the bottom of the second and got a great play from Julian Brock, a double to right center to score Mason Zambo. McNeese answered right back to make it 3-1, to one, and then in the 5th and the 6th is really when the Cajuns got going. They scored three runs in the bottom of the sixth off of a Will Vayon two-run double and then a sacrifice double squeeze. They tried to get two runs in on the double squeeze and the second runner just could not quite make it to the plate. Will Vayon was out at the plate for the third out of the inning. But one thing that really stood out about this game McNeese batters. Louisiana retired the final 13. So for four innings, McNeese didn't get a single guy on base. And 21 of the final 22. So absolutely huge night for Mad Deggs and the Cajuns to return the favor to McNeese after losing in Lake Charles just last week, splitting the season series one-to-one. And after the game, Matt Deggs gave his thoughts on the win versus McNeese. Yeah, when we pitched the snot out of it tonight, and, and can't say enough about the job the bullpen did, and the defense complimented them uh, very well. Uh, you know, those guys can swing the bats, and they hit a lot of balls hard that we were able to defend. And uh, that made a huge difference. I was proud of Ben for sticking with it. You know, we go two walks, a wild pitch, a hit batter, and a stolen base in the first. So basically they're scoring without, I mean, they had one base hit. Uh, and then he comes back in the second, settles in a little bit, and then we were able to hand it off to Coop and, and execute our game plan pretty good from there. Pitched the snot out of it. You like that, James. Pitched the snot out of it. That's a new one. That's, that's definitely a new one. Um, Matt Deggs also talked about using six pitchers in the contest. He was asked, did the game plan kind of go about as expected? Yeah, that's what we had drawn up beforehand. We had scripted it, and uh, it, it went according to plan. I, I, I would like to get some legs underneath Ben and some confidence because it's a, he's a good left-handed arm. And then I thought uh, we battled offensively. They've pitched us good two times in a row, living on the outer half, and that kid tonight was able to spot up on the outer half, and we're rolling over some balls. And then uh, Will Vayon sat on a breaking ball and was able to, to clear them for us. It was gigantic right there. And Julian Brock, the catcher for Louisiana, who had the RBI double in the game, talked to the media following the win about his pitchers and the way that they performed last night. Yeah, uh, Ben, it's un- unfortunately, he didn't give us the best start, which is okay. I mean, he's going to walk guys, but 
It's all right. Uh, we were able to respond with, I think, I think Coop came out. He it was able to shut that down a little bit. I think he gave up a runner or two. It didn't matter, though. He still came in throwing strikes, filling it up with multiple pitches, you know. That's going to give us an opportunity to respond because it all flows from pitching to, to me and into our offense. So that was able to work well tonight and gel together. James, I have a tweet here that uh, that might make you happy, if, if you will. Um, this is from Nick Underhill. The New Orleans Saints and Michael Thomas have made progress recently on a contract extension. Not done yet, but talks have been productive. Michael Thomas coming back? You know what's crazy? When that first restructuring happened a few months back, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, this is like, you know, them just working on because they need room for the cap. But everybody was like, oh, no, they're releasing them. They're releasing them. Michael Thomas is as good as gone. And I was one of them. Crazy how that worked out. I was the ludicrous one for saying that. Well, I was the crazy one. So I didn't disagree with you, but the way they had set it up to where his base salary was only going to be a million and everything else was a roster bonus that had to be paid to him by said date. Mm -hmm. That painted the picture of, hey, we're going to try to trade him before this date. And if that doesn't happen, we'll cut him on that date so that we don't have to pay him that 30 million. I think what it was... Was that, like if, you, was if, if they if they couldn't come up with something if like if they couldn't get on the same page, then it's like at that point you have yourself some insurance. Be like, okay, well now we'll just move on, or if it, if worse comes to worse, then we'll release you because then it's like, well, I mean, if you don't want to play for us anyway, why would we have you? But I, I felt like it was like uh, other than the jabs, like slightly at the like training staff or medical staff. Oh well, yeah, I mean, which he. had promptly deleted after because he was like wait i'm being stupid why am i doing that i mean to me it was like what what signs have you shown because he's even when he wasn't playing you would see tweets about him like and post about the saints or tweeting the broomstick whenever the saints uh swept Swept the falcons yeah it was like i mean he's still there he's still supporting you just don't see it all the time now you know the 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 thought is turning in my head Derek carr quarterback Alvin Kamara in the backfield for part of the season. The other half of the season. <laughs> um, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas at the X. Chris Olave at the Y. Mm-hmm. Rashid, Rashid at, in, in the slot? Potentially, you'd probably have him more outside and kind of have him be that fourth. Kind of like the Robert Meacham. Oh, yeah. You'd want yeah. him as that Robert Meacham role that also plays kick and punt return. Right. Because you're at so this then who point, do you, who do you stick in the slot? Marquez. That's where either you have a spot, see if Marquez can like prove himself. Because lately, it's just not looked as impressive. It kind of feels like the pizzazz of ooh Marquez Callaway is kind of going away. Yeah. Um. Or that's very. You true. always could just draft a slot receiver in the draft. I mean, Nathaniel Dell, Jalen Hyatt, Jalen Hyatt. Nathaniel Dell. Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, because apparently 4-4 is really slow nowadays. That's what people were saying. They were they looked at Jalen Hyatt's, I think it was a 4-4-1 or a 4-4-4, and they were like, everybody, wow, that's so slow. His draft stock is going down. Everybody wanted to come at me when I said draft Jalen Hyatt. Oh, he's the same build as Chris Olave. Stick him in the slot. And, and even then, Mike's played a lot of slot in his career. Yeah? 
So would it be wild to put Mike in the slot? Get and and it's funny because Nathaniel Dell, kind of sort of build wise, little little bit like a uh, like Lance Moore, a little bit, yeah. But really small guy, kind of skinny, plays main. You just throw him in the here's slot. My th- here's my thing with Mike. I get why you would want him on the outside, but at the same time, him being physical on the inside, m- most even even with Derek Carr having a better arm. Mike's still gonna run those intermediate routes. Mm-hmm. He'll so he'll why run, not? He'll run more intermediate to deep routes than he did with Drew. But that's just because mainly Drew correct could only throw could only fifteen and sh- right twenty and shorter. So why not use Mike Thomas's stature and build? Put him in the slot. Let him body somebody, and then have Jalen Hyatt and Chris Olave, your two deep ball threats, as your two wideouts. And have them go deep. It's not crazy. It's not a crazy concept. Just because Mike Thomas is your stud doesn't mean he has to be out wide. Your stud can play the slot. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's not a crazy idea. And can the Saints finally move on from Traquan Smith? God, please. Traquan Smith and Andrews Pete. I would trade both of them for a seventh rounder. I don't care. Get them out of that facility. And it's crazy because you'll see Traquan make the craziest contested catches. But it's the routine ones that he can't, can't where make. He's, where he he's can open. He can never make. He can never catch the simple 10-yard out route where the corner is seven yards off of him. Because it's like you'll see like a 17-yard touchdown where the guy is draped all over him, but he makes a crazy helmet catch. Right. And you're like, okay, but, but, Hold on. All right, Traquan, I see you. Let him cook. And then and then you see a drop in the middle of the field. The, and you're like the, the next the next drive, it's a check down slant route that he's wide open and And he's not out and he's not out there for the next quarter. And you're like, what happened? What are you doing? Anyways, we'll take a time out here on Crunch Time. Aria Gerson, she covers Vanderbilt for the Tennessean, will join us next to preview LSU and Vandy in the second round of the SEC tournament. This is Crunch Time. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 435, almost 436 here on your Thursday edition of Crunch Time. Welcome back to the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. LSU basketball somehow managed to get out of the first round of the SEC tournament, taking down Georgia 72-67. to Now they're going to play a Vanderbilt squad that is without their star in, in Liam Robbins. Uh, but it's going to be a de facto home game for the Doors in Bridgestone Arena tonight. Aria Gerson, who covers Vanderbilt for the Tennessean, football, baseball, and basketball, joins us here on the game hotline. Aria, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you this afternoon? I'm good. Thank you for having me. So looking at this Vanderbilt team, you know, 18 and 13, they went 11 and 7 in the SEC. Jerry Stackhouse kind of coming into his own here as the head coach of the Commodores. Kind of just recap the, the, the regular season for us for Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, they just started really poorly. They 
you know, barely were over 500 in the non-conference and picked up some bad losses. You know, the first January was pretty sluggish. Notably, they lost to Alabama by 57 at the end of January. But they started playing really well in February. They beat Tennessee and Kentucky and Auburn. Uh, and they've also beaten Arkansas. So that got them the sixth seed in the SEC tournament uh, after they kind of came on at the end of the season. And actually, LSU is the only team they've lost to since the beginning of February. Yeah, you won 80 your last nine to, to end the regular season there. And and Liam Robbins was really a big part of that for, for much of the season, averaging 15 points per game. He was also the leading rebounder for this group. But now he's going to be out with a leg injury, out for the rest of the season. Uh, how, how big of a factor does that play into Vanderbilt's game plan for the SEC tournament? Yeah, it's going to be a huge factor because – so much of what they did ran through him. And, you know, they have won a few games without him. They beat Georgia earlier in the season, and then they beat Kentucky and Mississippi State. But I think that when you're without Robbins, it, it is they become very reliant on their shots falling. They take a lot of threes, and sometimes they can make the threes. You know, they shot 50% from three against Mississippi State. And if they do that, you know, they're still going to win. But being without Robbins makes it a lot more difficult for them to be getting good rebounding and, you know, good interior defense. And so that's what's going to suffer. And so they become more reliant on getting those three-point shots. Now, the one good thing for Vanderbilt is that uh, Lee Dort, who also, you know, plays the center position, he's been out since January with a foot injury, and he's actually coming back for the SEC tournament. But since he hasn't played in a game in uh, almost two months and he's a freshman, you know, he just doesn't provide the same impact that Robbins does. But he at least will give a little more depth at that position. So without Liam Robbins, you know, your, your main guy kind of becomes Tyron Lawrence at the guard spot. When they came to Baton Rouge just a couple weeks ago, he had 19 points on 8 of 12 shooting can he be a, a guy for Jerry Stackhouse to kind of lean on here in this SEC tournament? Yeah, he's been playing really well the past couple of weeks. He's, you know, one of those guards that's really good at getting to the basket. He's pretty good defensively as well. And he, his shooting can be a little streaky. Sometimes he hits a lot of threes, and sometimes he's just not able to make them. So I think that'll be a pretty big factor of whether he's knocking down those threes are not now with the tournament being played in Nashville how big of an advantage do you think that that gives Vanderbilt given the fact that it, it sort of becomes a de facto home game for Vandy well so the interesting thing about that is that you know there's kind of a joke that the biggest fan base at the SEC tournament every single year when it's in Nashville is actually Kentucky fans and Kentucky fans are playing the winner of this game. And so I think Kentucky fans will actually be pulling for LSU. So there should be a lot of Vanderbilt fans there, but there should also be a lot of Kentucky fans. And I think the Kentucky fans will be cheering for LSU. So that will be an interesting dynamic. <laughs> Aria Gerson joining us here from the Tennessean. Now, you know, talking about this matchup with Vanderbilt and LSU, from, from what you've seen out of the Commodores this year, Obviously, you mentioned the, the three-point shooting being a big deal now that Liam Robbins is out. What would be the other big key 
that you're looking out for that Vanderbilt's going to have to do in order to beat LSU tonight? Yeah, their bigs, which is Quentin Melora Brown and then Lee Dort, are going to have to stay out of foul trouble. That was has been an issue with both of them at times in the past, and normally it wasn't too big of a deal because they also had Liam Robbins. But without Liam Robbins, they need to be able to stay on the court. You know, neither of them are big offensive factors like Robbins was, but both of them are quite good defensively. They are good rebounders, and so. Without, If they can't stay on the court due to foul trouble, Vanderbilt just won't be able to rebound at all. And so they need those guys to stay on the court, especially to cover somebody like K.J. Williams, who is a bigger, literally, presence. Now, real quick, Aria, before I have you run, Vanderbilt baseball last night, 17 innings? Yes, 17 innings against Evansville. And between both teams, there was only three runs scored. What the heck happened? Yeah, well, I mean, Vanderbilt this year, their offense is not great, but their de- their pitching is really good, as it, as it always is. And so, you know, they have all the guys in their bullpen, you know, could be guys at other schools too. And so I think eventually that's just kind of what happened is like, they had they threw uh, 15 consecutive scoreless innings against Evansville and struck out 24, which was a school record. Uh, so you know, the this team is built to win games two to one like that. They already have two games; they've won two to one this year. So I think that's just kind of how it's going to go for the baseball team this year. Two to one in 17 innings—that is wild. Aria Gerson from the Tennessee and joining us here on the game hotline. Aria, really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy covering the game tonight between LSU and Vanderbilt. And uh, when football season rolls around, we'll have you on again. Thank you. And there she goes. Aria Gerson from the Tennessean. Again, I, I just, James, I might be crazy for thinking this. I've, I've got a feeling that LSU has a reason to be favored in this game. I just, maybe I'm getting a little overconfident in LSU. But they've already beaten Vanderbilt before. Now they've got a little bit of momentum after beating Georgia last night, a game that many people didn't expect them to win. You're playing with house money at this point. You're going to play freely. You're going to play a little more loose. And sometimes that's a really bad thing. But sometimes that's a really good thing. I'd say it's a good thing if you have like nothing to lose, so you might as well play loose. You don't have to worry about anything. What what does what does LSU have to lose? But offensively, we don't see LSU play very well all that often. Not Adam Miller year. was the, Adam Miller was the only one who was able to shoot consistently, and they often don't shoot well from three, and they overall just don't shoot very well at all. So for me to say that even though last night they still won, the likelihood that they will have another poor offensive performance is pretty high and the farther you go down to this tournament I know you'd already beat Vandy but for you to win two times in a row we haven't seen that since 2022 I could see KJ Williams having another 35 and 10 night like he did against Vandy just a couple weeks ago Adam Miller had 18 in that game as well um I don't know again maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little overconfident but I just think that LSU can find a way to pull this off I don't think you're far off in that thought process. I'm just I'm just worried. Like, 
we've seen what LSU has looked like against the SEC. They were 2-16 and 16 for a reason. That's fair. Their That's... offenses looked poor, and it looked poor last night, but they still were able to eke out a win because of how little they turned the ball over. If they do that again and improve the offensive production, I'd feel good about it. But until I see that, I'm going to be very skeptical. Update on the Players' Championship from Ponte Verde Beach, Florida. Chad Ramey in the lead at 8 under par. He was just a stroke off of the TPC Sawgrass course record, which is a 63 in a round. He shot an 8 under 64. Colin Morikawa right behind him at 7 under. Taylor Pendrith, Ben Griffin, Justin Sue at 5 under. Scotty Scheffler's at 4 under. Justin Rose currently at 3 under. Sam Burns, the LSU product, at three under as well. Jordan Spieth, Victor Hovland at two under. Mark Hubbard at one under. Matt Kuchar at one under. Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay's at even. Ricky Fowler is at even. Justin Thomas sitting around one over par with Tony Finau and Max Homa as well at one over par, including the winner of... The previous tournament, Kurt Kitayama, is at one over as well. So we'll keep an eye on the Players' Championship, basically the fifth major in golf. So we will keep you updated on this tournament today and tomorrow heading into the weekend. James and I will also have a Roll the Dice article out tomorrow, giving you your betting picks for the weekend, where both of us will pick a winner for the Players' Championship, and we'll see how how close we are. We'll take a time out, wrap up our number one right after this right here on The Game. This is Crunch Time on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We here at The Game, Southwest Louisiana sports station, know that you love our shenanigans both on and off the air, and we want to help you help us. So go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana and click on the bell so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps. Help us get to 1,000 subscribers to see more of our fun behind the scenes and after work mischief at The Game Louisiana. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hit high, hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Driven pretty well and pretty deep to left field. Going back is Varsho, looking up. See you later! Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time, wrapping up our number one. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. Do you think McNeese should hire former LSU basketball coach Will Wade? Yes, no, or maybe. 64% are leaning towards yes, they absolutely should. 30% is leaning towards no, don't do it. And then the final 6% saying maybe. Looking at the compensatory picks that teams get for, you know, losing players because of how the cap was a few years ago or losing a coach, you could get compensatory picks or... You know, just et cetera, et cetera. You get bonus picks for kind of doing certain things to kind of help around, I guess you could say. The Saints, they're kind of used to getting that. They they would get a couple of third-round picks here and there. They especially got it because, you know, they lost Trey Hendrickson in 2020 mm-hmm. because they didn't have the cap room because they had their plan, but it was foiled because 
all the sales were down, so the cap rooms for everyone went down that year and still building up. But this year, Saints, Matt, do you know how many compensatory picks they're getting? How many? One. Just one? Just one. But it's not in the third round. Do you know where it's is it, in, know where th- is it in the fourth round? No. Is it in the fifth round? It is not. Okay, I'm not liking where this is headed. You shouldn't. Is it in the sixth round? No. Oh, God. So it's a seventh rounder? It is a seventh rounder. Okay. I'm going to say... So it's always nice to have a bonus pick. Like, it's always good to get compensatory picks. Well, of course. It just sucks that your only one is in the seventh, and then you look at somebody like the San Francisco 49ers who are getting seven compensatory picks with three of them in the third round. Because they needed help. Yeah, because the 49ers, you know, they need help. Yeah, they, they, they. Their needed. biggest issue is, oh no, which one of these 17 quarterbacks do we start? Because we had the Mr. Irrelevant become a sensation. We still got the third overall pick from two years ago that still trying to figure out, but you know, still the third overall which, pick. Which running back do we hand it off to? Right? Oh, we only got Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, and we even like to hand it off to Debo Samuel. And uh, we also got one of the best tight ends in the league and George Kittle and the best defense in the league. I mean, come on. You lost D'Amico Ryans. And I know they lost a couple of other pieces here and there on the team and in the staff. But damn, seven? Yeah, that's... Uh, that's again, wild. They 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 were the ones that needed that. But anyways, um, so the Saints get a compensatory pick. They will probably draft a offensive tackle from a D3 school in the seventh round. Uh, You know, depth is fine, whatever. But James, speaking of of depth, staying on that same topic, later in hour number two, we're going to talk with Preston Guy about the start of LSU spring football. Earlier this week, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns opened spring football. Do you know where the Cajuns are struggling from a depth perspective? The quarterback spot. Chandler Fields is hurt. Out for most of the spring. Ben Woolridge still got ben that ACL. Ben Woolridge is still hurt. So Zeon Chris is taking your first team snaps right now in the spring. Mm-hmm. And he still had his red shirt. Or did he burn it? No, he had his red shirt. He still got he his, his red shirt. shirt. I thought so. You know who else is taking snaps? Who is in that coach's room that was a former quarterback? Head coach Michael Desermo. There's a video on Twitter right now from our guy Corey Diaz of them doing receiver drills, and it's Zeon Chris on one side. And Coach Desermo head, <laughs> head coach Michael Desermo on the other side. Coach still has it. He still has it. Uh, his his first pass in this video was a smidge high, but he's he still got the zip on it for sure. Um, that you're 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 so depleted at quarterback that your former former Cajuns quarterback might I add, and head coach says, "All right, I'll step in. I'll I'll sling it around a little bit. It's fine." That's so funny. I. I'm telling you now, man, I, I know it's early. I know practice just started this week. And obviously Chandler Fields and Ben Woldridge are very much going to be in the conversation. I would not be surprised 
if Zeon Chris is the Cajun starting quarterback? I just wouldn't. The guy played well when he was called upon. He got the system very quickly. People have comped him to a Levi Lewis with a better arm. And, oh yeah, he's a freshman. You would have him for four years. Look, Chandler, Ben, thanks for what you did. Appreciate you. If one of you wants to stay around as a backup, go for it. But there's no need for both of you. Zion's going to be the guy. I'm not a coach. I don't claim to be one. But if I was in that room, that's probably the conversation that I would have. Just saying. James? But if I was running the team. If I if I had a team to run, that's the conversation that I would have. I mean, that's fair because at that point, you've had Zion run the first team the whole spring. You had him during the fall camp doing it the whole time pretty much. And this is also his second spring mm-hmm. because he enrolled early last year. Yeah. So this is his second spring with the team. Like the kid's been there for the start the whole time. So you taking him out all of a sudden just to put in Ben or Chandler. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kids on some, on some momentum right now. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to talk more Cajun spring football and much more right here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time is here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we talked Cajuns baseball getting a win over McNeese last night. We've also talked about the LSU versus Vanderbilt basketball game coming up tonight with Arya Gerson of the Tennessean. Here in hour number two, we're going to talk LSU spring football with Preston Guy of TigerBait.com. We're also going to talk... Cajuns spring football. We have audio from Michael Desermo that we're going to get to here in just a moment. But James, I love when we have the opportunity to bring up topics in the world, not just sports topics, any topics, that just kind of make you scratch your head and go, what the hell is this? Okay? Do you like ranch? Like ranch dressing? Yeah. Ranch seasoning, ranch flavoring, anything like that. Mainly ranch dressing, but go on. So Hidden Valley has partnered with a company called Van Lewin to create a ranch-flavored ice cream. Uh, I'm good. That is going to be available exclusively at Walmart. I'm good. From March 20th through May the 28th. According to the company, you can top your scoops of ice cream with crushed pretzels or potato chips for a perfect salty crunch. I'm sorry if you have to tell me to put potato chips on my ice cream. 
you, sir, have crossed the line. That's not ice cream. It's not ice cream. That's a that's a dip. That is a salsa. Just say you like savory and not sweet. Ranch. Don't, don't try. Don't try to make it seem like you like sweet if you only like savory. Ranch flavored ice cream. Now don't get me wrong. They, I, weren't I they like doing my, that? But weren't they doing that before with ketchup? I like I like so I like salty and sweet together. I like peanut butter pretzels. But this is different. I like putting my M and M's in a bag of popcorn. Like, it, oh, dude, you get the popcorn butter on the M. Oh, dude, so good, so good. Trust me. R- original M and M's. If you go to the movie theater, get the box of the original M and M's, and get a small bag of popcorn. Oh, dude. I'm telling you. I know your game now, Migos. I'm telling you. It's good. Um, and no, I do not sneak in the dollar box from Walgreens. I don't do that. Um, I'm a good person. <laughs> that's your claim that's your claim to being a good person. But ranch flavored ice cream. No. I'm not mad. I just want to have a chat. No. I just want to talk. I'm severely disappointed. I just want to talk. I'm not my 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 hands are gonna stay back here. I just want to talk. That's cr- that's that's an abomination. Ranch flavored ice cream. I would eat cheese on my red beans before I ate ranch flavored ice cream. Don't open that door. Oh, I'm going to open that door. I would put tomatoes in my gumbo before I ate ranch flavored. Ice cream. Because even with those, even even though they're not optimal, you can live with that. Ranch flavored ice cream is frozen, an abomination. Frozen ranch? What? What? No. Ugh. And then you're looking to dip your potato chips in it? Right, right. That are very fragile and that are just going to break? Correct, they're going to break. What's the point? Oh, that's... I, I question society sometimes. I re- I really do. Who sat in a product meeting and said, "You know what would be a good idea? What if we sold frozen ranch to people and called it ice cream?" Oh my God, you're a genius! <laughs> what? What is happening? What is happening? Anyways, I'm getting off my soapbox. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns opened spring football earlier this week, and head coach Michael Desermo met with the media to to officially open the spring, and he gave his opening thoughts on day one of spring practice. Um, So, you know, first day, it's always fun to be back. Uh, You know, we've... We've put in a lot of work in the off season. You know, these guys have been really working hard at it. We changed up some off season things. You know, um, kind of talked about it a little bit. Every team's a little bit different. And this team, you know, we had to change up the way we did the off season. And I think, you know, the the the, the core of your team, I think, is built in the weight room. Um, you know, there's a certain amount of toughness that's built there. Um, certainly, in football, is a game where you have to have strength and power. Um, but we did a lot of work in the weight room this year, and you know, our guys guys came out today and really for the first day competed well. You know, for us, it's about urgency in everything that we do. Certainly, um, we've got to improve a lot of our processes uh, from last year if we want to get different results. So, uh, you know, this all season has been spent doing a lot of um, self-scout, looking at things that we can do better schematically, better ways we can teach it, um, and better ways to put our players in position to go out there and have success. So today, you know, day one install is pretty simple. Uh, These guys, for the most part, mentally can do it in their sleep, but I think 
the thing about day one, the first day you get out there, you know, in helmets, obviously, uh, the way you start out now, but the first day you get out there and you actually pull the trigger in a football practice, you know, it kind of jumps on your back a little bit about halfway through. Mike Desermo also talked, we talked a second ago about the quarterback situation and how there's some guys kind of banged up and who's going to step up? Well, freshman quarterback Zeon Chris. You know, Zeon played in, in really three games last year. I know he, he played in four, but really three. Um, he played really well when he played, um, particularly in the bowl game. I think that's one that was not an easy situation for a, a freshman to be thrown into. Uh, the conditions were really tough. Um, it was a really good opponent. Um, the game was really tight, and he came in and he played really well. Uh, I would say he played well enough for us to win in the end. You know, we just didn't make some plays. So uh, our expectations of him are really high, and um, he's the kind of kid that can handle it. And I think this spring is going to be great for him. Uh, you know, certainly it hurts not having been, um, you know, and that's that's always a, a tough deal when someone's coming off of that type of injury, when they'll be back and, and how ready they are. Uh, but Chandler played really well in the back end of the year. Zion played really well in the back end of the year. I think we've got three guys that you can go out there and we can win a lot of football games with. So we're going to um, we're gonna throw it all out there and let them compete and let's see you know who comes out on top. And um, my expectations for that group are really high, especially in year two. He also gave an injury update on the injury on the injuries of his team. I guess I probably should have brought that day one, huh? Um, Jordan Lawson is out for the spring. He had surgery at the end of last year. He's doing well with his recovery. Uh, ben Woolrich is out. Um, Kendrell Williams is out for the spring as well. Um, those are the three that that are definitely out for the spring. Um, and we got some guys that are that are out today. Um, you know, Jamarian's out dealing with a couple of things, but he's going to be fine. He, he ought to get back in the mix pretty soon here. A couple other guys have some nagging things, but they they should be fine. We should, like I said, Chandler should be back at the end of the week. So um, really, we're we're really pretty healthy right now um, for a starting point. And you know, certainly spring is. Spring's always a double-edged sword. You want the execution, you want the competition, you want all that stuff, but you certainly want to come out of it healthy too. So, um, you know, we're in a pretty good starting point, um, and, and hopefully we can continue to practice and take care of each other in a way we can stay that way. And then lastly, Coach Desermo talked about Lance Legend, and, you know, you, you saw him come into Louisiana as a quarterback, made the switch to wide receiver late last season, and had some flashes of, of playing really well. So what's Lejean's role going to be this year? No, no, no. He, he's he's got a chance to be, you know, probably wide receiver one. You know, if, if he can continue now, and I say that we've got guys in that room that are players. You know, I mean, you got Jake Bernard and Pete who have played a lot, and there's a bunch of young guys that looked really good today that you're going to know their name before long. But um, Lance, I, I believe Lance is an NFL wide receiver. I believe that with everything that I am. The Wildcat thing is something where when you have a unique athlete like him, it's a way to be able to use him, right? It's a way to be able to kind of put a wrinkle in there. And now you got a plus one, you know, with a quarterback run, you know, you've got all these things and then you put it in his hands. And we did it a little bit last year at times, you know, Marshall, he got in there and did a couple of things, had a big first down at the end of the game. Um, you know, but last year we were focused on trying to get him in the offense, understanding the receiver part of it. He's got a really good understanding now. So now it's okay, well, let's add this part to it. Um, but no, I mean, Lance, Lance is, Lance has got a chance to be really special at receiver. Um, it's just as unique as he is, you know, there are times where you want to put the ball in his hands in the backfield and say, all right, well, you know, let's let's go do it this way. James, 
I, I've received an update on the ice cream thing. So the ranch flavored ice cream is one of seven new flavors that this company is rolling out this spring. The others, you, some, some of these are, are fine and some of them are just make you want to question things. Carrot cake. That's fine. I don't like it, but sure. Strawberry shortcake, same thing. Pretty good. Honey graham cracker, could work. Lemon cake, again, could work. Blood orange chocolate chip. Huh? That's all together? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's one flavor. Blood orange chocolate chip. Blood orange chocolate chip. Yeah. Uh-huh. And sweet maple cornbread. As an ice cream flavor. Who hurt you? Who hurt you? I. Th- this is going to be our next foodie poll question. Would you eat these? I'd eat half of those. Actually, what we should do is, for for YouTube content, we should try them on video and review them. Oh, bud. Could be something there. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now that would that would watch that. Speaking of which, if you want to watch our great YouTube content, like we mentioned earlier, hit the subscribe button at the game Louisiana. We've got a lot of great stuff coming. Uh, we, we don't want to spill too much, but we have a ton of great content coming up in the next couple of weeks. So uh, definitely hit that subscribe button. Click the bell as well so that you will know when to tune in to our awesome behind-the-scenes videos as well as our game recaps. Got to make sure to hit that bell. You got to hit the bell. Because you, you need the notifications. The reason the reason the bell is going to be so awesome is you won't have to pull up our profile to see when we posted a video. It's literally going to give you a note. Hey, the game posted a new video, and you can just click the notification, and it's going to pull gonna the video up, send you straight, straight to there. the video. It's fantastic, and it's just all, all you got to do is just one little click, click, bink, done. It's incredible. We'll take <gasps> oh, a- Matt's on his face again. Yeah, that's probably going to happen a lot. The Miguez versus Mesh challenges are coming back. So I think we should do the potato sack again. No. No? No, I, I, I don't think we should. I, I think that's a necessity. No. No, 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 no. No. That's, that's going to be our... <laughs> the side of my head's still a little sore. Oh, that boo. hurt. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't comfortable, that's for sure. I bet. But uh, we'll take a time out here when we return. We'll look at some of the other top stories in sports, as well as Jose Altuve playing against the Astros yesterday. We'll talk about that next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you the chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil with the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Register in the Game Rewards Club to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, paddle, ice chest, tumblers, chairs, and two sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we'll even throw in a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com for the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Let your voice be heard. 
Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What a great idea for Amigas versus Mesh Challenge. A blind taste test of sodas. You see it on social media all the time. I've always wanted to do it. And now here's an opportunity. How embarrassed would you be if you didn't get the Dr. Pepper? You know damn well that's not going to happen. You know I'm going to get it. But I'm saying what if? That would be embarrassing. That would really be embarrassing. Like Um, you wouldn't show up for the next show embarrassing? Sure. I mean, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> no. This this is what keeps my lights on in my house, so I'm not I'm not going to go that far. But this is what keeps Dr. Pepper in my fridge. There you go. There it is. But, yeah, that'd be pretty bad. Another funny idea that a caller brought up over the timeout was not only try those different ice cream flavors, but have to try and guess the flavor. Ugh. Mm-mm. Please, please don't make me try blood orange chocolate chip. What if that one is the best one? Oh, God. If that one's the best one, they have issues. And and But what if you're like, okay, stra- maybe, strawberry, it wasn't, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Because strawberry shortcake or graham cracker sounds way better than blood orange chocolate chip. Ugh. God. Um, Astros update. Yuli Gurriel is signing with the Miami Marlins. According to MLB's... Ken Rosenthal. Speaking of the Astros, they played an exhibition game with Team Venezuela the other night in a tune-up for the World Baseball Classic for the Venezuelan national team. Jose Altuve played for the Venezuelan national team. And James, guess what? The Venezuelan national team won. They beat the Astros 9-8. to Both teams got 11 base hits, but the difference was that Venezuela put up five runs Four runs in the fifth. So it was a 5-2 to two game going into the fifth. Venezuela put up four runs to make it 6-5, to five, and then scored one in the sixth to make it 7-5, to five, and the Astros were only able to put three runs on the board after that, while Venezuela answered with one of the eighth and one of the ninth to win that game 9-8. to eight. Uh, Jose Altuve doing what he does best the very first pitch of the game. He got a base hit. The man never not swings at the first pitch. You can't. I love you, you can't not. As as infuriating as it is sometimes, watching I'm like, why are you swinging at that? You know that they're going to try and throw it low and inside, and he still goes for it. I still got to respect the mentality because how he do is, you? He is setting a tone with that. Because how do you not know that that guy's going to swing at the first pitch? He swings at the first pitch every single time. Like, there is a good 97% chance that he is going to swing at that first pitch. It is. And then swing at the second pitch. And then who knows? He might swing at the third and pitch and go sit And he probably will still swing at that third pitch. And then go sit down. So, I mean, look. Power, and, in be, and in between, readjust his gloves every time. Power to him. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Um, so, look. Do, do what you got to do, I guess. But uh, looking at some top stories in sports, Bill Self has been hospitalized with an illness. He is expected to make a full recovery, but will now miss the entire Big 12 tournament this weekend as his top-seeded Kansas Jayhawks look to win yet another Big 12 title. They're projected to be a number one overall pick, uh, number one overall seed 
in the NCAA tournament, which begins next week. Also, the MRI came back clean on Luka Doncic's thigh, and he is cleared to return to activities as soon as he feels like he can, as soon as the discomfort allows him to. Um, so not much of a timetable there on that one. Uh, Bryce Harper also will not rush his recovery. He is eyeing the all-star break as his return. Man, spring training, you're in spring training right now, and you're saying you won't be back until July? But, I mean, he did have Tommy John surgery. Uh, he said things can change either way. It could be after, it could be before, but as of right now, that's the date we've solidified. We're going to be smart about this. We are not going to rush it. He was hurt in April. He hasn't played in the outfield, James, since April 16th. So it's been almost a full year since he's played in the outfield. He DH'd all season long for the Phillies. Uh, and he underwent surgery right after the World Series in November. So definitely an intriguing storyline there for the Philadelphia Phillies involving their superstar Bryce Harper. And breaking news in college basketball, Patrick Ewing. A NBA legend, not so great of a basketball coach, has been fired at the University of Georgetown after going 7-25 and this season. He has an overall record in six seasons of 75-109. and He has been fired as the head coach of Georgetown. P.U. Oh, that, that record is P.U. 7-25. and Rough. That is... That is not good. That is not good at all. Um, and then to give another hit to the rotation of the New York Yankees, Carlos Carlos Rodon will start the season on the injured list. He signed a $162 million contract with the Yankees in the winter, and he will miss the beginning of the season with a left forearm strain. That is yet another blow to the Yankees' starting rotation. Uh, he has a no-throw period of 7 to 10 days that will push him back into April. Uh, Rodon underwent Tommy John surgery back in 2019. So, not good news if you're a New York Yankees fan. That's yet another pitcher lost from your starting rotation for the time being. Once again, want to update you on the Players' Championship as there's still a couple of guys out on the course Chad Ramey still in the lead at eight under. Colin Morikawa one behind him. Looking at Scotty Scheffler finishing at four under. Ryan Palmer coming in at four under. He still has two holes left to play on the afternoon. Cameron Young at two under as well. John Rahm one under. Davis Riley at one under. And it's going to get interesting tomorrow because that's really... In tournaments like this, where it's basically a major, I mean, the Players' Championship has always been viewed as, as the fifth major, um, guys are really going to make a move tomorrow because they want to make the cut. Because purses have increased throughout the PGA Tour, but they really increased for majors. And if you don't make the cut, you don't get paid. So... Guys are really going to fight to at least be above that cut line so that they can get a share of the $25 million that could be coming their way with 
the purse here in Ponte Verde, Florida for the Players' Championship. $25 million. I think $4 million of it goes to the winner. So somebody could become very, very rich very, very soon. We'll take a timeout. Preston Guy of TigerBait.com. He joins us. Brian Kelly met with the media today. We'll get his thoughts. Plus, talk about Harold Perkins no longer wearing number 40. We'll talk about that next. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 532, welcome back to Crunch Time. I'm Miguez James Mesh, broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. LSU opened spring practice today. They had practice today. They'll practice again tomorrow, and then they're off for a week for spring break. Not really a model that I understand, but again, I'm not a, I'm not a football coach that makes $9 million a year, so I'm not going to question the guy. Joining us to talk about day one of spring practice and what fans can expect throughout spring practice, long time no talk. It's our guy Preston Guy of TigerBait.com. Preston, what's going on, man? How are you? Man, what's going on, man? You know I get excited anytime we get to start talking about football and you know, after having to watch all the other sports for two, three months. So one thing that's standing out to me early on is the jersey changes. Every, every offseason, you're going to have guys, you know, change their jersey numbers because, you know, such and such guy leaves and this jersey number's open and blah, blah, blah. Harold Perkins Jr. going from 40 to 4? Yeah, you know, he wore four in high school, and a lot of people were <laughs> really sad to see him leave number 40. Um, man, I remember, did you know he actually came into the, to the season listed uh, as another number and then changed to 40? I'm trying to remember what exactly that number was, but he actually changed to 40 so that if he had to, he could play running back. Because remember, running back depth was thin last year. Right, right. Um, and it was like, okay, well, we you can't wear a number that's ineligible to, to play on offense, too. So just in case, switch to this number. Well, in high school, he wore four. I, I think it's more fitting, man. I, I like it when your studs are out there wearing single-digit numbers on defense, man. I mean, anytime like a, a defensive tackle puts his hand in the dirt and he's got a single-digit you know we're talking about a monster. And, you know, same principle applies for linebacker. I kind of dig it, but a lot of people are upset about that one. Well, I do know that. Well, the reason that a lot of people are upset is because jerseys became a thing last year, and a bunch of people scooped up Harold Perkins Jr. Yeah, jerseys with the number the 40 jersey, on the back right. of it. Look, just get some white out, put it over the zero, <laughs> you're good to go. Um also, shout out to Jordan Jefferson, the defensive tackle transfer from West Virginia, who didn't participate today, but we're talking about jerseys. He put on 99, so Jordan Jefferson sticks with the nine theme. I like it. I dig it. So I, I, the question that I have is, if you walk into a LSU locker room with the name Jordan Jefferson, are you cursed? <laughs> you 
you say that, but Jordan Jefferson, uh, he did beat Alabama twice. It's true. That's true. Got to think about the positives of Jordan Jefferson. He did accomplish a lot in his career. Uh, obviously, it went out on the most awful note that you could possibly go out on. But, no, there were some ups and downs of his career. So, you know, looking at, at the season or, or the, the spring season, should I say, there's a couple of guys that are going to miss the spring um, Aaron Anderson, the, the redshirt freshman transfer from Alabama, being one of them. Uh, who, who are some guys that, that LSU is going to be without for the spring? Well, if you look at that running back room, it is painfully thin right now. You've got John Emery, who is going to focus purely on academics. Um, not necessarily a good sign with him, given he missed an entire season due to some academic issues. Not great issues, but some weird academic scheduling stuff. Um you got, uh, and then you've got Josh Williams and Armani Goodwin, who are both, you know, battling injuries. I'd be surprised if we see either of them. So your scholarship backs. You're waiting on Caleb Jackson, the Liberty High talent, to get on campus. He's not enrolled early for this semester. You get Noah Kane, who we, we all know and seen uh, from last year. And then you get a really good look at Trey Holly. Um, so that, that'll be interesting. You know, Trey Holly is the LHSSA all-time leading rusher. He, he broke the record for career rushing yards. And he's a short, shifty back, lots of good moves. I've talked to him on my show. He's a good kid. Um, yeah, it, it, we're going to get a really good look at him as a true freshman here uh, this spring. So a lot of eyes go toward him. Uh, offensive line, Charles Turner. Uh, will be out. That's a big one for the offensive line because they've got a lot of good names coming in and all five starters back. Marlon Martinez gets those first reps at center uh, behind him. Um, and we saw uh, actually the LCA product, oh goodness, uh, the, the third string center, he switched to defensive tackle. So my question is, does the Maryland transfer, Mason Lundford, who will be at practice this spring, can he play center? He played left guard for Maryland. I don't know. We'll see. Of the positions that are open, none of them are open. All five starters are back. But that's probably the one position where you'd have your best shot to get on the field as if you could play center. I know this is going to sound like a crazy question, Preston, but there has been some some rumblings about just how good Garrett Nussmeyer you know, not only played in the bowl game, but you know his performance against Georgia in the SEC championship game, and that he's he's kind of looking to get into his own this offseason, especially now with Walker Howard transferring. Could Jaden Daniels' job be in jeopardy? It would be very rare for that to happen. Um, I mean, uh, yes, <clears throat> he's looked good in spots, uh, and yes, he I think he actually does have more talent more arm talent than Jaden Daniels, right? <clears throat> that being said, I mean, guys, how often does a fifth-year senior quarterback uh, who's the returning starter with ten, who won 10 games for you last year right. and beat Alabama, how often do you see guys like that get benched? The next oh, yeah, it, it doesn't happen. It, it's, it's very rare. rare. I, could, I, could, I mean, unless he were to come out and completely lay an egg, uh, that would be very rare. I don't see it happening. I do see them kind of pushing Nussmeyer to the field to keep him happy. The, the other thing to keep in mind with Nussmeyer, he's going to be a sophomore next year. He's got 
time. He, you know, he, he, he's not like up against the clock. This isn't a, a make or break year, you know, where he has to get on the field now or his career's over. No, he, he's got eligibility left. It's not like he has to beat out or and get on the field this year or his career's over. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see just how far he develops with his decision making. I think his arm, we've all seen his arm, it's, it's lively. Uh, but can he make some checkdowns and and look better and, and continue the progress he made? Because toward the end of last year, he looked like ten times better quarterback than he did when he got you know uh, a relief time against Southern at the beginning of the year last year. Chatting with Preston Guy of TigerBait.com. Last week, it was reported that the SEC would go to a a new scheduling format with Texas and Oklahoma coming in where every team would have three permanent conference games on their schedule. LSU's is expected to be Alabama, Texas A&M, and Ole Miss. What are your thoughts on those three matchups? Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime you've got Alabama on the schedule, I mean, there's two teams in the SEC you just really want to avoid, like the plague, because they're going to win 90% of their SEC games, right? And while the coaches might go out there and say, we'll play anybody, well, Preston Guy's a reporter who's not on the team, and I'm going to look at it with a different perspective. I'm going to tell you for a fact that if Alabama's on your schedule, your odds of going to the championship game go down. That's just truth. That's just the fact of the matter. Uh, they're a very tough team to beat. So in that sense, LSU did get a very tough draw. Um, it could be worse. Georgia has to play, I'm sorry, Auburn has to play Georgia and Bama every year. And the SEC to kind of ease it over. It's like, eh, we'll throw in Vanderbilt there, too. I'm like, you know, having Vanderbilt on your schedule is not worth playing Bama and Georgia every single year. They got screwed. So uh, Ole Miss and Texas A&M, I think those are two very manageable teams and respected matchups. Um, I feel like LSU has respected the fan base and and whatnot respects those rivalries more than they would say an Arkansas or a Mississippi state. Right. Yet at the same time, LSU has a, a fairly high win percentage against those teams. So yeah, you, you're not going to get any of the sec gimmies on your schedule, but it could be a lot worse. Trust me. So um, uh, like I said, I, 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 I really do think though LSU would have been better off getting Florida over Bama from a strictly like competitive advantage viewpoint. But we all know they don't want to lose that LSU-Bama TV matchup dollars. So one thing that, that I find interesting, Preston, when looking at, at the storylines for the football season, is you brought up John Emery a second ago, and he's going to be out for the spring to focus on the academic side of things. And, and you brought up the fact that he missed an entire season not too long ago for, for a similar situation. I, I'm just, how has the situation not been resolved if he missed an entire season? Well, he missed that season um, more so having to do with the COVID scenario and uh, not, not completing the classes that needed to be completed. Right, it wasn't necessarily like a <clears throat> grade issue or anything like that. I don't know what the academic issue is here. I do know that he's going to be focusing on that, and it's not a good sign. It's not uh, for guys had that stuff in the past, uh, and I don't know 
how it could still be going on, but it, it does seem like he will be focused on that and better have it in line for the spring. Uh, I'm sorry, by the fall. Uh, I, I'll say this about John Emery. It's not like he needs the reps at this point. It's not like missing spring is going to be a big deal, like he has a new playbook to learn or anything like that. As long as he gets his academics in line, he should be ready to roll. He just needs to work on his fumbling issue, if we're, if we're being honest. What are some other storylines from the spring that, that you're looking out for? I know we talked about the, the depth of the wide, the running back room and, and the battles on the offensive line, but are there other storylines that, that you're paying attention to? Uh, yeah, one thing I'm watching very carefully is the tight end room. Um, Mason Taylor's going to be out. He, he has like a shoulder injury right now. And last year, Mason Taylor was your only tight end you, that Brian Kelly trusted. And that's not how Brian Kelly likes to run his offense. He likes to use multiple tight ends. And he couldn't really run his system the way he wanted at times last year. Um, so in spring, now of course, you sign – three tight ends and three very good tight ends. Um, uh, um, and Pimpton will be here in the fall. That's the guy who flipped from Vanderbilt, who is athletically just freaky good. Um, that was the guy, that was the crown jewel of Vanderbilt class. And LSU just bullied their way into taking him. But now you've got Jackson McGowan and you've got Mac Markway on campus this spring. I'm interested to see uh, how those guys, uh, you know, how, how they mix in. And then other than that, in general, you're bringing in 12 grad transfers or transfer portal guys. How many of those guys break out, especially in the defensive front seven? Uh, lots of new faces. By the way, there are 13 true freshmen uh, here on campus for spring. That's the most I've ever seen. So you've got about 25 new faces. So outside of the tight end running back of the positions, I'm going to be watching the most closely. Um, but how many of these guys break out and get a starting position this spring? I mean, Taviano, JV and Taviano, the, the five-star corner, he was the first corner out there today and with the first team above Denver Harris, uh, the, the transfer out of Texas A&M. And I think most people would have assumed it would be the other way around. I don't think it necessarily matters much who gets the first reps, but we'll see how that develops uh, as spring goes on. I mean, there's just tons of new faces that will have opportunities to break onto the scene with lots of talent. But the difference is we saw that last year, but there weren't any returning faces. It was a whole new revamped roster. You're bringing back 95% of your offensive production from last year. So, uh, and lots of your defensive productions coming back too, including your best player, Harold Perkins. It'll be fun to see who, who who breaks out. With that being said, you know you talked about all the production coming back from a year ago, where this team went ten and two. What's the expectation headed into twenty 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 three? Well, they went ten and four last year. Uh, ten and two would have been pretty darn good. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean. Your expectations for the regular season are ten and two. I would say on the low end. Um, I, I can't imagine nine and three again for a regular season would leave fans with a good taste in their mouth. They're expecting your quarterbacks back, ninety four percent of your offensive productions back, your entire offensive line is back. Uh, I, I'd say the expectation is they take that step forward 
and really be contenders down the stretch. Don't get upset uh, at the end of the year. 10-2, and 11-1 is honestly a lot of expectations. And right now, there's only going to be two teams that will be favored uh, over LSU right now if you open the Vegas line. That's going to be your game one against Florida State. And that line's going to be, like, real tight. I'm talking, like, maybe Florida State minus one. And then, of course, the Bama game. So 10-2 and two is the floor for fans' expectations next year. Preston Guy of TigerBait.com joining us here on the game hotline. Preston, go ahead and uh, tell our listeners what, what's coming up on the Tiger Bait channel. Yeah, guys, look, uh, big recruiting weekend, man. I mean, uh, I'm telling you, players from all over the country will be on LSU's campus. We're going to be all over that with stories, checking in with recruits and whatnot. Offers are flying off the table. LSU's 2024 quarterback, Colin Hurley, is on campus all week long as spring practice starts. So uh, plenty of other guys around. Uh, We'll be out to spring practice. We actually have – practice film from today on the site for tiger bait subscribers um mike went out there this morning and got some really good footage so if you want to see what the team looks like you can go out there and check it out we'll be doing it all spring long uh mike and buddy will be doing their um their post game post practice analysis all spring long so that's on our youtube channel the tiger bait youtube channel if you want to check it out and of course uh i'll be out there uh occasionally for some practices throughout spring and be there for the spring game, and we'll do our post-game show. So y'all go check us out, tigerbait.com. We'll have all that content there waiting for you. Preston, appreciate your time as always, man. Thank you. And there he goes, Preston Guy of tigerbait.com. We'll take a time out, wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. James, you know what them big old Mazda trucks? They coming back to the Cajun Dome, man. March 17th and 18th, it's the toughest monster truck tour. And the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, has a VIP package for you. For realsies? For realsies. Very simple. All you got to do is enter in the Game Rewards Club, four tickets, access to the pits, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers on that Friday. It's the toughest monster truck tour. It's coming back to the Cajun Dome, and you can win a VIP package courtesy of the game. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 555. Three minutes to go in today's Crunch Time right here on the game. LSU basketball in Nashville playing against Vanderbilt tonight the pelicans also won a game last night which is you know massively surprising uh they don't play again until saturday when they play oklahoma city but james we we talked about it a lot already closing thoughts on this lsu vanderbilt game what do you need to see out of the tigers tonight i need at least 44 percent as a team shooting you need that you don't necessarily have to shoot 40 percent from three you can live with 35%. You can live with 33 if you take enough threes, but they're not going to usually do that. Yeah, if, you you go need, six, if you go 6 of 18, that's fine. Like You can live with that. 
but you need this team to not shoot barely 30%. You need 40%. You need 44% as a team. You don't turn the ball over. Repeat what you did last night. Five turnovers, that's phenomenal as a team. If you want to have a chance of beating Vandy, which four points isn't the worst thing in the world. That's very doable. You need to shoot well, play the usual defense you do, and don't turn the ball over. The biggest biggest focus is actually putting the ball in the hoop. They're coming into this game shooting 41.3%. I need at least 44 it's fair. I need at least 44. That's fair. I, I think LSU wins tonight, and I think we're back tomorrow talking about a LSU-Kentucky matchup, which is a team that they could have beaten in the regular season. So could LSU be in the semifinal? We don't know. That's why we love March. We we love March. we got a Friday fun show coming for you tomorrow. We're going to look at the Players' Championship. We're going to look at college basketball, baseball, all of it. And we're going to look at the draft class for the NFL quarterbacks. I want to thank our guest today, Aria Garrison from the Tennessean, covering Vanderbilt, Preston Guy from TigerBait.com, covering LSU spring football. Once again, the Tigers tipping off around 8 o'clock tonight, pregame beginning at 7.30 right here on the game. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we're back tomorrow for a Friday fun show, 4-6, to 6, right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. We're going to throw it to CBS Sports Radio before they give it to the LSU Sports Radio Network.